Welcome into oh gosh. <laughs> Welcome into episode three of Slug Club Radio. As always, I don't have a silly name to go by this week, so I guess the the jig is up. My name is Jordan. I'm here with Hangle McCrinkleberry. Well, that's not from Harry Potter, but sure. No. It's a good Keen Peel movie though. Movie? movie? <laughs> Am I sixty? <laughs> what's that? Yeah, what's that, that movie? Peel movie? <laughs> um, I'm here with Evan and with Will and. Hello. Casey is is present in the flesh this week. She's prepared a litany of snacks, of which I need to give a rundown. So she's she's made it clear. Casey, by the way, if you're a new listener or you've just forgotten, is Will's wife. Will's wife. My wife. Um, <laughs> and she always she we she made a promise to us that every time we were present to record, there would be cookies. So far, she has not fallen on that. She and above all, and beyond. Above and beyond. She's, I think these were handmade, right? Like you, handmade. Well, I mean, you mix, like, I think the last couple times you just, like, got it out yes. of the, yeah. Previously was placed. Yeah, like, no, are, you baked these. Yes, Like, from yeah, scratch. you mixed the, yeah, from scratch is the word, are the words that I was looking for. Um, I'm not a baker. I'm a, I'm more of a cooker. I'm more of a sauteer. Um, but she hand baked, or mixed, and then baked. She made cookies from scratch. Banana. <laughs> And peanut butter cookies with chocolate chips, which are amazing. And there's, there's like a lot of them left, and they're kind of eyeing me, so I'm really, honestly nervous about that. Um, and then also for a special treat, which I'm hoping becomes a mainstay, is they made her and Will made butter beer this time, and not like the crap that you buy, like at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios. They yeah, we're coming for you, Universal. Yeah, we're coming. <laughs> we're coming for big butter beer this episode um no like hand mixed um again with the hand made and hand mixed um there's what what, what all casey what all's in it there is cream soda cream soda yeah and ice cream ice vanilla ice cream eddie's specifically i think i believe was the 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 brand in a plastic bag that was what was on sale is it eddie's or Edie's? Edie's. Hmm. i'm a blue bell man so i don't Blue Bellman. I'm a Blue Bellman, <laughs> if you will. Uh, Edie's. I'll take your word for it. And whipped vodka. Whipped vodka. Uh, not a sponsor. Also, it wasn't real vodka for the children listening at home. <laughs> butterscotch schnapps. Are you like, what? Are you Are you okay? <laughs> yes. Butterscotch whip, butterscotch schnapps. <laughs> squash. <Snaps>. Butter squash. <laughs> <laughs> Butter, there's buttered squash in it. We just put butter, <laughs> butternut squash. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, okay, so cream, I'm starting on cream soda, vanilla ice cream, like oh a float, um, butterscotch schnapps, whipped vodka, and then a whipped cream made out of butterscotch. Syrup and, and heavy cream. And heavy cream. And it was stupid good. Uh, and we followed that up with cream cheese covered in A1 sauce. <laughs> And that's it. That's the tweet. It's good. With crackers. It's good. It's not like in our. No, hands. we're eating it with a. With a we each have a teaspoon. She's gonna just, poo bear it. We each have a melon baller, and we're just <laughs> scooping it out and eating it. Evan's going in for a a, I believe it's his third cracker. Oh, it's more than that. Okay, so um, also handmade. Also by handmade. Casey. Handmade by Aldi's, and then delivered via Casey to the coffee table. Um, I have an update. Mm. Last episode of day. Last <laughs> last episode, we kind of fell into this joke of talking about Schmoop. Schmoop. Big Schmoop. Um, big Schmoop. Don't come after us, Big Schmoop. Um, do come after us. 
So we were talking about summarizing, you know, because we like when Evan summarizes the chapters. Um, I was looking for a, a succinct article that might describe the chapters just in my own research of the, for the previous episode. And I was looking and, you know, you type in like Harry Potter summary. And the first thing that comes up is obviously spark notes. That's kind of the thing that you've, if you've ever been in school and you've had to do a book report or something like that, it's typically spark notes. And then, but I was like, you know what? Spark notes has gotten enough of my money and my attention over the last few years. Uh, I've given enough money to big spark notes. I want to go with somebody else. So I scrolled down and about the third place down was this uh, website called Shmoop. S-H-M-O-O-P. So we were joking and I was like, what if we were able to get Shmoop as an official advertisement partner of Slug Club Radio? I said this to myself in the car on the way home. I did not make this clear to Evan or Will that I would be contacting them, but I did contact them. There's a the issue is, and I have all the receipts. I have all the emails. There's not like a contact us for business partnership thing. I just had to contact their customer service. Um, you know, so it's like if I went to Target to try to return an order, but I was like instead, hey, you want to sponsor my podcast with forty <laughs> listeners? Um, and they're like, sir, we just need a receipt for that. Um, so I contacted them. So I got what I assumed to be. Somebody who is just like, you know, a nice person that works their customer service stuff, um, not not like a representative that could speak on behalf of, you know, partnering with their company. You got the intern who's monitoring their DMs. Right. Um, this person's name is Taylor. Taylor is uh, an... Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Taylor from Schmoop. I I reached out. I'm, I'm trying to see... Okay. It's a long email. Here's my initial request. I addressed them just as Schmoop. <laughs> Dear Schmoop. I, I said, Schmoop. <laughs> My name is Jordan. My two friends and I host a podcast about Harry Potter titled Slug Club Radio. Each episode, we walk through the books chapter by chapter, and we discuss pertinent themes and talking points. At the moment, we have a very small audience, but we hope to see growth to reach a wider audience. We, click, we quickly discovered a need for a good tool to summarize each chapter, and we stumbled upon your service. My proposition is this. Can we declare Schmoop as Slug Club's radio go-to for humorous, succinct, and accurate summary of our favorite stories? Which, coincidentally, is a line I pulled straight from their webpage. Yep. I said, we are willing to do ad reads on our episodes, but we're not asking for money or financial support. Just an opportunity to partner with a great company and support your business. I will be clear, if this is the wrong avenue for this proposition, please point me in the right direction. You really stuck with the word proposition throughout <laughs> this. Yeah, I, I, I don't need a handshake or anything. I just want to, this is, I'm throwing it out there. That was September 20th at 11 a.m. Roughly five hours later, wow. I got a response from Taylor uh, Shmoop is a busy company. It's big Shmoop. They got a lot of people to talk to. It took them five hours. Got it done within eight biz. Uh, got it done within a business day. It's impressive. Taylor said, "Hi Jordan, thanks for reaching out. Do you simply want to name drop us in your podcast? If so, that is totally fine. If you are using any of our content in your podcast, you can just let your listeners know when you are referencing our material in your show. That's extremely reasonable. Mm-hmm. Best mm-hmm. Taylor." MLA Ex- formatted citation. Extreme, extremely reasonable. However, 
I had an agenda. <laughs> I said, Taylor, we would love to name drop, and when we get to the summary portion of the podcast, say something along the lines of, <laughs> quote, brought to you by Schmoop, the official summary partner of Slug Club Radio. I said, LOL, I'm sure this is such an odd request. And I don't know about the legality of me using the terms, quote, official partner on a podcast. We just love your service and would love to mention it in more than just a flippant, we use Smoop to find this sort of way. Taylor said, I'm not quite sure about the legality either, to be honest. However, this is fun to talk about nonetheless. Yes, Taylor. Is Taylor yes. working on late night answering? Is this, a- this was the next day at 11, so she, she slept on it. Sure. Do we mean it's a she? Or he, Taylor. Taylor, he or she. I didn't get a last name. Not that that helps with gender. Uh, I'm just saying I could have found them. I haven't looked for you, Taylor, if you're listening. What's your last name? Ah, okay. (laughs) He. Smith, got it, sir. (laughs) Taylor says, I'm not quite sure either, to be honest. However, this is fun to talk about nonetheless. I would say something along the lines of, quote, many thanks to our friends at Schmoop. I like it. I would yes, avoid Taylor. I would avoid any official partner language just to be on the safe side. Me too. So that was my conversation with Schmoop. All right. Wow. So we don't yet have a brand deal. However, I think I've made headway. And I think me and Taylor have come to a nonverbal agreement. <laughs> I mean, that's that's as verbal as the internet gets, I would say. Yeah. So yeah. we have ground to work on. Um, we we have it straight from Taylor, a customer service representative at Schmoop. <laughs> Who's um, doing this? Who I'm sure had to ask her manager like four times. Yes. Is it okay for me to say that? Sir, it's Jordan again. <laughs> what do I say to him? <laughs> I would say something along the lines of, many thanks to our friends at Schmoop. So, we haven't defined the relationship all the way. Yeah, but right now, that. we've been friend-zoned by Schmoop. That's cool. Which is fine, you know, we need the time for both of us to kind of grow yeah. and learn a little more about ourselves. Well, we, we haven't been friend-zoned by Shmoo because they haven't rejected us. We're like, we're going on dates They with haven't Shmoo, said we're better as, haven't they haven't said, you know what, I think we're better yeah. as friends. We're not exclusive. Yeah, Evan. But we're not friends. I'm going to let you speak more on the friend zone. <laughs> I, extensive experience in the friend zone. In case he goes, no. <laughs> no, I don't think you have a lot of... Do we need to do this right now? I have tons of friends. What do you mean? Tell me about your romantic failings. As a, anyway, uh, so yeah, numerous. We we are we are slowly and patiently courting Schmoop. Yes. Right now we have kissed dating goodbye. With yeah. Shmoop. But right now we are um, true love waits, and we will wait for Schmoop. We are friends. Uh, yeah, we're we're waiting until friends with no benefits yet. Friends with no benefits yet <laughs> in either direction because Lord knows that they're not getting a lot of readers from our podcast. Never know, man. But hey, listen. Big schmoop. You're listening to this portion of the podcast. Uh, if you, for whatever reason, uh, let's say you're going back to, if you're our friends, you're out of college now. So if you need to go back and edit a book report you did 12 years ago in eighth grade, um, go give schmoop a try. But also, if you come across this podcast and you're looking for a summary uh, platform, something that could help give you answers to questions you have on on the context of chapters of your favorite stories, please go check out our friends, <laughs> official partner, I'm just kidding, go check out our friends at Schmoop. Anyway, that was my update. I was really hoping like I would come back and they were like, we'd all have little hats. 
Yes. And I gotta have t-shirts. Lanyards. Yeah. Dang, ask Taylor if we can just make shirts. <laughs> you know what? The, the thing is, on the problem is, is I think I, you know, it's that thing like where you, you wait a little too long to text back. Mm-hmm. I think we're at that point with Taylor. See, I think that that really only applies to actual romantic relationships <laughs> and not to business deals. I feel like Taylor would ghost me if I reached back out to him. I... Her. It. <laughs> The person Smith. Yeah, name's probably not yeah. even. Name's probably not even Taylor. I'm probably not. No, like uh, so, I reach out to Disney World a lot. Mm. They're their customer service, that and not surprising. They each give them. The every time I get somebody, it's like, "Thank you for contacting Disney World customer support. My name is Dazzle. How may I help you today?" You're like, it is not Dazzle. That is not. So, true. First off, I want to know your real name. I want to know your Christian God-given name. You're like, all right, it's Sparkle. No, but it's like Dazzle or Sparkle or, you know, Merryweather. Or it's some kind of, like, fairy name. Um, but I'm assuming Taylor is this person's name. But Taylor, if by some misfortune of your own you stumble across this podcast, hey, how are you doing? I'll be reaching out to you soon with ideas for uh, t-shirts and fun runs and all those kinds of things we can partner and do together. On a, uh, a, a related note by email, so... I work at a church, and I get a lot of emails from uh, fake Gmail accounts that'll be like, churchoffice497 at gmail.com, and it'll say that it's Nathan Parker, our pastor. And Nathan, a lot of the times, is busy in a prayer meeting and needs me to take care of something for him. So I'll get these emails that'll come up like that, and then I'll respond like, what can I do for you, Nathan? Absolutely. And he'll say, I need you to buy... 13 gift cards off Amazon for all of the staff and then send them to everybody. Just mail them to me and you can keep one for yourself. It's very reasonable what Nathan (laughs) is offering me. Yeah. So this week I got one of those and I replied to it and said... As the youth pastor, totally normal (laughs) things. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So I replied to it this week and said, you know, I know our staff pretty well. I don't think they'd like gift cards. I think... And I found, in case you're wondering, this exists, a purse made out of dog hair is on the internet that you can purchase for the same price as an Amazon gift card. So I found this picture of his dog hair bag. Technically. You told the person you ordered 12 of these? I sent back an email and said, I think they prefer this. And they emailed back and just say, no, we want the cards, not the bags. And I said, (laughs) I didn't reply. He emailed back and said, have you bought the gift cards? Right. I said, yes, I have purchased 13 dog hair bags. They're on their way to you. He replies and says, no, exclamation point. I said, cards, not bags. What you sh- to which I replied, well, frankly, you should have thought of that before I purchased 13 dog hair bags. What am I supposed to do with all of these bags now? What you should have done is taken, taken it a step further, bought one bag, and taken a selfie of yourself with it. Oh. And been like... Next like, time. So for the, like... I know that that's a personal investment, but it's like... Well, I get these really, all the time, yeah. so I can just keep doing it to them. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The uses good. of dog hair bags never go away. Like, it's... Do you think it was like somebody's dog passed away in in memoriam? They had a dog hair bag? I don't think you can make an industry out of that kind of personal... Dude, there's, but there's some weird... I mean, if it was like, send me? us your dog hair and we'll send you a bag... That, that might be different. I think what I hate you that more. People make like little tiny dog figures out of your dog's hair. No. So, is that real? Uh huh. Don't look it up. I'm looking it up. Just keep talking. 
Um, you, this, this is your story. I don't know where to go from here. I don't either. Um, my grandmother... <laughs> Thanks for our friends at Schmoop my for this story. My grandmother, we'll wrap up the... Had a similar... Something like that. So my my little brother is... He's 22 now. 22 now. But when he was maybe like 18... Um, my grandmother, who will never listen to this podcast, so it's fine. Um, she, she got a call and it was somebody claiming to me, my brother, Brayden, and said, like, and so we call, like, what do you call your grandmother? Like, just pick a grandmother. What do you call her? Grandma. Nana. Nana. Does, how many other, like, cousins are there? Do you all call her Nana? Yes. So, like, in my family on specific side, like, like five of us, five or six. So, on, in my family, like... For whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but, like, me and my brother call her grandmama. But then, like, um, another one of our cousins calls him, calls her something, like, kind of similar, but a little different, like, grandmother. You know, it's like... Grammy. Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> so, she gets a phone call, and it's grandmama. So, she knows, like, it's either me or Brayden. Because we're the only two that call her that. And it was like, I... I are you I need your help it's Brayden I'm I'm in New Jersey and I've been arrested for reckless driving and I'm they're not going to let me out without $5,000 bail and he was like and the person was like the person was like I can't tell my dad so please don't tell my dad but I need the money so I can get out of jail and come back home I was on a trip with my friends Again, Braden is somebody who was like, I love him to death. He would, he would just like him and his buddies would get in the car and was like, let's drive to New York. And that's just like the thing that he would do. So my grandmother was like about to wire this person money, but the phone disconnected. And right about that time, she got a call from one of my dad's other brothers. And she was like crying and panicking. And she was, my uncle was like, what are you crying about? She was like, Braden's in jail in New Jersey. <laughs> And my uncle was like, hold on a second. I'm on the phone, call my dad, or call Braden. And, you know, it was one of those, like, State Farms, like, what are you wearing, Jake, from State Farm? He's like, uh, khakis. And they called my brother, and it's like, Braden, where are you? He's like, I'm at home. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, are you, okay, in Nashville? He's like, yes. (laughs) And so, yeah, some guy tried to call my grandmother and get $5,000 wired to him. But what's crazy is, is, like, the guy said Braden. And, like, yeah. called her grandmama and also was like, don't tell my dad, which is, like, obviously, Braden would not want my dad to know that because my dad would obviously, yeah, it would be rough. So have we confirmed or not confirmed that it was actually Braden from his house in Tennessee <laughs> calling Just trying grandmama. to get $5,000. Yes. <laughs> we haven't confirmed Sorry, Braden, I don't believe that about you. No, he would never listen to this podcast. We, uh... <laughs> no, but all of that to say... Um, we're going to move on to the summarization part of our episode brought to you by our good friends at Schmoop. So let's take a break and we'll come right back with our summary of chapters three. We'll start with three because that's at least numerically the right place to start. Uh, and we'll get into the next chapter. Ready? Break. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Come on, Evan. Happy birthday to you. 
Happy birthday, dear Will. Happy birthday to So, listeners, what you missed was that Evan was assigned the high harmony and just went the high octave. He just took it the full octave above what Jordan was doing. Jordan tried to switch to a high harmony, and Evan followed him in the upper octave. It was great. But nobody nobody went back down to the melody. It's okay. It went well. I thought we were doing the Harry Potter theme song. I was not prepared. You had... And so did Will. Listen... Just I gave you I gave you the part you should have known the song. Okay? Um, you should have known the, the the song just by the part alone. For our listeners, it is it is Will's twenty eighth birthday, the twenty eighth trip around the sun. Yeah. Wow. What what is something that you've learned? Give us your wisdom this past year. Mm. It can be serious. It can be serious, or it can be Remus. Ha! 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 Boo. taking a lot of walks. Well, that's good. That's not really a lesson. Are you a good boy? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Outside, Take more walks? Outside is good. Outside good. <laughs> Inside bad. I'm, I'm usually more of an indoor cat, but given the constraints of the world, I've discovered that I don't mind... Speaking of indoor cat, will you be? Are you allowed pets at this apartment, or will you soon be getting animals? See, when you said that, I thought you were asking if you were allowed to pet me. Which, uh, yes, of course. That's a given. I've known you far too long to ask that. Now, um, we're way too many pets into the future to ask that is, question. Now. It is allowed. Okay. Um, but not practical for us at this time. That's fair. Okay. Certainly not cats. Casey, are you a cat or a dog person? Dog. Okay, thank God. Good for you. She was offended by the question. <laughs> no, I was thankful. Oh, almost thankful I feel like that he's allergic to cats because then I ne- was never going to have to deal with, honey, I brought home a cat. And I was going to have to be like, no. he would never. He would never do that's that. Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's... Even, even if I wasn't allergic to it, that's not really my personality, I feel like. Just Casey, what's your ideal dog? A Shetland sheep dog. Okay. So cute. That's what I grew up with. That's what he grew up with, so. That's what Chip, Chip was. Mm-hmm. And your current, don't tell me the name of the current dog that lives at your parents' house. Its okay. name is, oh no, it's Buster. like, no, it's something Irish. <laughs> yes. Is it yeah. like McGill? You're, You're so, so close. Don't tell me, don't tell me. Mm, I know it's, uh, that's so close. Kate's gonna love this. When she he's an Australian Shepherd. That doesn't help me. He's he he's got a lot of energy. He's got a big old head. It's Mag- it's Maga something, right? Yeah, there's only so many of them. Just go through all the syllables. MacGyver. All the second syllables that could be. McGill McGull Gal McGonagall is not it. <laughs> McGee. Yes. Yep. There you go. That was McGee. Nice. I've only met him like twice. Yeah. McGee. I was so close. I knew it was like an Irish thing, too. What's your ideal dog? Also, a... Yeah. yeah. Is that the top... Is that the proper name for, like... I always call them Lassie dogs. Because I don't... Lassie is a collie. Collie. That's what I thought. This is a smaller breed. Okay. Ideal dog. You have a... Evan... I'm turning my head to Evan because this isn't a visual medium. Uh, you... I should stop saying you. I should say Evan. Are you... You have a husky. 
Are you a husky person? I mean, no, you're skinny, but are you a husky <laughs> dog person? Uh, yeah. He does. Yeah, we have a husky. Okay. She's adorable. His name is Kaya. I'm going to have to meet this dog. Oh, yeah, okay. for sure. Just is it with her. your parents yeah, yeah, yeah. or is it, is it yeah, here? Yeah, she lives in Indiana. She's 10, so she's oh, older now. parents are in Indiana? Um, <laughs> Did you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> we need to catch up. They spend their summers there. <laughs> Off air. <laughs> uh, I do love huskies. I will say they, like, they're just super high energy. So if you can't, like, run them around, take care of them, like, it's just not fair to them. We can't because we're too busy a lot of the time. So. so it's not a slow death. No, no, no. Kaya's great. She Aren't walks every day. It's true. Uh, I do love Australian Shepherds, actually. They're, like, really, really cool. That's, um, I don't know if he's a friend of the show, but Nathan Shoemaker. Mm. His wife, Emily, mm-hmm. have an Australian Shepherd whose name is Denver. He's a cool dog. There are many Australian Shepherds that a couple of my friends got. And it like is many as in a lot of them or miniature? Miniature. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, there are. the cutest dogs. <laughs> there are many Australian Shepherds. The cutest dogs I've ever seen. Yeah. I've never seen those. I saw a Rhodesian Ridgeback for the first time yesterday, you which like sounds like a Harry like Potter Norman? dragon. But, yeah. Uh, no, they, they're, it's a type of dog that was bred in the bush to hunt lions. And so they are crazy. But they have, like, this ridge of hair on their back that's a different color. Does it, like, stand up? It's shorter, actually. It looks like somebody shaved, like, a line in their back. It's cool. Okay, look that up. Casey, if you could guess my ideal dog, what would you guess? (laughs) Does that mean it's not what you already have? I love our dog. Our dog's (laughs) great. But, like, if I were to pick the breed... Teddy, if you're listening. Teddy, son. <laughs> you know how much I love you. Ted is the coolest dog. He's so sweet. Um, I currently have a Cavapoo, which is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, and a Poodle, and he's, like, great. Um, you know, he does his chores and carries his weight around the house and everything, but we bought the Ted, the, like, that, that breed is, like, Ashley's breed. Like, that's what she would want. But, like, if you could just, knowing me for now as long as you have... What would you guess? I'm not going to be this offended so by anything. I would not be offended by anything. It doesn't have to be even a specific breed, like, like a generic, like, like a dog from a movie. Balto. Like. Hates. <laughs> you know, Stop like it. the movie or the dog. We we will have to. <laughs> Smokey is an option. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pull up a finger? <laughs> <laughs> Is it that? Was, Did you that pull up right? Smokey from UT? Yeah. Okay, so that is a blue tit. That is a blue tit coonhound. Uh, it is the right flavor. So it's a hound. Yes. A basset hound. Okay. Basset hound. I house. get. Yeah, I get basset hound vibes from you. That makes. Sense. I had a basset hound growing up. From what I, I got it. Listeners, <laughs> Jordan's ears are. Like, <laughs> Oh, he's the loads are so long. <laughs> yeah. uh, I had a basset hound from the age of seven till right when I was about twenty, and he was and will always be the coolest dog I've ever had. Whose name was Smokey? His name was Smokey. That's why he pulled up Smokey because that was I named it yeah. after UT's mascot. Ah, okay. I. But they're not the same breed. Would not have. I looked at that dog and did not make the connection to UT. Also, so. surprise. That's fair. I also love French bulldogs. I think they're great. Okay. I prefer English bulldogs, but yeah, sure. It's fine. I the only reason I don't I don't know the difference. The English the English ones are what we had at Union. A Union, I know. But the French is like they're a little they're a little smaller and their ears stand straight up. You know what a French bulldog is? Uh, it kind of looks like a pug, but like way cuter. 
They kind of got smushy. It babies. better be cuter than a pug. When I lived in Boston, though, the family <laughs> I lived with had two English Ooh. bulldogs. Yes. Yeah. Their names were oh Will, you met them, <laughs> and they hated me. They hated Will. Their names were Calvin <laughs> and Lulu. Oh my! Gosh. I think Lulu was indifferent. Calvin hated me. It was probably the reverse. Calvin was cool. Lulu was aggressive to everyone. Lulu didn't like me much either. Yeah. Um, I figured out quickly. I promise we're getting to the schmoop part of the episode. Um, probably not. <laughs> The room that I so I stayed with I was working at a church I stayed with a family that lived at the church they don't live at the church I lived with a family that went to the church um, they had like I said two English bulldogs and I found out quickly that the room that they they made for me was Calvin and Lulu's room and so like so I, they hated you for I it. came in there to unpack my I came in there with my things Calvin and Lulu stand in the doorway <laughs> just glaring you think you're making a joke. I open the door and I like set myself down in the bedroom and I like you know pull out my Power Rangers, you know, sheet set. Bedspread. Yeah, bedspread. And like I get everything and I do like the, I like brush my hands off and I turn around and the two of them are sitting in the doorway, staring at me. You know. You think you'll last? They're like none of them have lasted. They're like, they're like, who does he think he is? And like, to the the door, I swear they did it to me on purpose, the family, because they thought they thought it'd be funny if I got messed with. But, like, the door wouldn't latch all the way. So it's like I'd shut the door, but it, like, the little lock mechanism was just, like, it could just slide open. And he would just, Calvin and Lulu would both come up and just, and slap the door. And it would swing open with such force. Because they're, like, little bowling balls. And then they would just stare at me as I slept. I'd wake up, and it was, like, 3 a.m., and Calvin's just breathing heavily in my ear. He's really, they were really sweet, but they're... But so like, that's why because I've seen what they can do in in the dark. Like they're just like <laughs> English bulldogs, just kind of like I don't know. They thought about killing me several times. Haven't we all? But anyway, we're gonna move on to the schmoop part of this episode. We're gonna talk about chapter three. Stop me whenever you want to talk about anything in particular. We talked last episode about one and two. So in this chapter. At the end of last chapter, Harry went to the zoo with the Dursleys. What are you doing? I was looking up French Bulldog. Oh, got it. <laughs> um, Evan like had his phone like tilted away from me, and then I just saw this like goofy <laughs> grin on his face. Uh, they're cute. Um, I'm about it. So Harry and the Dursleys went to the zoo, and Harry sicked um, a, a Spanish-speaking snake on Dudley. Portuguese, surely. He's Brazilian. He's Brazilian. So, yeah, Portuguese. You would know this because you not speak Portuguese, but you can, See. like, reference. Or uh, um, you can identify, like, Portuguese words. So, like, he said, uh, Brazil, here I come, thanks, amigo. Is amigo also friend in Portuguese? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. There's a lot of crossover. We Is there said a... friend. Yeah. Strange. I know how to say I am Baptist. So... <laughs> <laughs> So here's a question. You'll soy Baptiste. The, the snake was definitely speaking Parseltongue. True. So how did Harry, like, bilingual Parseltongue? Is that a thing? There are, yeah, there's different dialects of Parseltongue, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, well, like, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. I guess I was assuming the question you were asking is... No, Harry was already interpreting what it was saying. We don't know that he was a Spanish-speaking snake, though. Or Portuguese, whatever. It's a Parseltongue-speaking snake. That's what I'm saying. Right, right, right. Harry doesn't know what Amigo means, probably. The snake said Amigo. He's like, I understand everything. Are there a lot of... Are there a lot of... Well, I mean, I guess there could be Spaniards in... England. Oh, I'm saying when he come... I was going to say, would he come across a lot of Spanish just in his... 
have no idea. Probably not. Know. Certainly not as much as, like, because we have to study Spanish because there's so many, you know, Hispanics living in this area. But, like, I wonder if English people, they probably study more French and German than anything. All right. Sorry about that. We were, we were in Chapter 3. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter three. So Harry uh, lets out the snake, and if Evan could very briefly remind us of what Vernon's punishment would be uh, if there was any funny business. <laughs> Evan's tickled pink by something. Anyway, so Vernon said that if there was any funny business, any at all, be no meals, meals for a week. week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm moving on. I'm, I'm powering through this. So Harry's punished. Uh, Our friend Evan is broken and we don't know why. I don't know how to fit here. Have, a, have some more cream cheese and A1 sauce. Um, so it's summer. He's tormented by Dudley and all of his friends, but he's being punished because he, uh, he released a snake from the zoo, which then attacked his cousin or slithered after his cousin. Um, the bullies, who I guess include Piers Polkis and other unnamed fat British kids, um, they like to chase him, but they can never catch him. Um, he's going to a different school. You remember the name of his school? Stonewall. Stonewall High, but Dudley is going to... Oh, uh, the one that with P. Nope. Not even... Nope. Smeltings. Uh, that's the he one. would beat him with a smelting stick. Yeah. Which there's some great lines uh, about that in here. You're gonna find it. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Uh, keep going. Uh, oh, here it is. Okay. <laughs> Does J.K. Vintage J.K. Rowling? This is good. That evening, Dudley paraded around the living room for the family in his brand new uniform. Smelting's boys wore maroon tailcoats, orange knickerbockers, James and flat straw hats called boaters. They also carried knobbly sticks used for hitting each other while the teachers weren't looking. This was supposed to be good training for later life. That's, she just keeps moving from there. Just leaves that comment there for you. What training, what training, what is this preparing for you exactly. for later in life? Um, also, he sounds like he's in a barbershop quartet he, with that outfit. Yep. And I think in the illustrated version of Sorcerer's Stone that I have at home, it's like he kind of looks like he's in a barbershop quartet. It's like yeah. that type of outfit. Um, good. So he's got that. Dudley gets to wear, or no, Harry gets to wear some of Dudley's old things, which she dyes gray. Looks like he's wearing bits, bits of, of old, old elephant, elephant skin. skin. Um, so good. Which I was not in the movie, but I think I saw something. There was like a deleted scene, and you could see her like dying it in the sink. Um, let's see, but then, as we all know, the mail arrives. And Vernon is busy eating, so he sends Harry over to get the mail. And for the first time ever, the mail includes something for Harry. And the letter is on beautiful paper, addressed to him in his bedroom, and has a large wax seal. He delivers the rest of the mail to the Dursleys and is starting to snatch, starting to open his letter when Mr. Dursley snatches it from him, him and refuses to give it back. <laughs> when he sees what's written there, he totally, he totally freaks out and shows it to his wife. Despite Harry asking for his letter, which belongs to him, the Dursleys won't give it back. He and Dudley squabble and get kicked out of the room. So, he gets a letter. Um, uh, obviously, Vernon and Petunia probably knows, know what it is. Um, they listen in. Later in the day, Mr. Dursley tells Harry he's burned the letter, but thinks he should move into Dudley's second bedroom instead of sleeping under the stairs, which... 
I mean, all it took... Amazing! <laughs> yeah. All it took to get him out from being tortured and living under the stairs was a le- just a single letter. Um, just, a, just a human being noticing that that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because it said, the letter said, Mr. H. Potter, covered under the stairs, number four privet drive, little whinging Surrey. I think is what it said. Um, while Harry would have usually been excited to get out of his cupboard, all he could think about is the missing letter. The next day, Dudley can't believe that Harry is still in his second bedroom, and he says things like, I need that room, or something, he's throwing a fit. But it's like, what did it say it had in it? Like, his broken racing bike, a television he put his foot through. His tank that he ran over the neighbor's dogs with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and um, all the books that look like they've never been touched. Did we all have tanks as a kid? Did you know? <laughs> did we all have big wheels? No. When I was little. You know what a big wheel is? Yeah. It's like the thing that... um. The Shining. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> I love you. Um, I had a big wheel, and it was like Hot Wheel. It was like Hot Wheel themed, so it was like purple, nice. and then the wheels were orange. It was dope. Mm. Um, Strung out of my big wheel. The Dane Cook sketch. Come on, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You never heard that one? That's good. I haven't listened Continue. to Continue. I haven't We've listened to Um basically the rest of the the rest of the chapter is all, a lot of different like funny instances where letters are trying to get to him until finally the bunch of them pour through the fireplace and are everywhere. And, got the eggs. That's the Yeah, they're part. in eggs. <laughs> they're in like the milk carton. <laughs> Um, what what I want is I want behind the scenes Uh, footage of the conversation where whoever the upper echelon was at Warner Brothers Studios went to like the folks that have to do like CGI during 2001 and say, okay, Dave, I need you to get 12 letters in this carton of eggs. Surely that's a practical effect, right? Like they got somebody to put... Full letter size mail into eggs? Yeah. What happened in the book, Jordan? <laughs> no, how did the house elves do it? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> There's no way you're getting letter sized envelopes into eggs. That's how big the eggs are. Uh-huh. What are they, ostrich eggs? <laughs> Could be. We don't know. Hey, are, you, are you working on the assumption that it was just in the carton or that. Because they're in the shells. They, no. they took it and they balled it. The same way you would do with CGI, just with your hands. Balled it up, put it in the Well, sure, but I guess my assumption is, is that it wasn't like balled up. Like it was still like when they opened the egg, like it was out fully formed and legible. No. Really? This is the same thing that happened with the weatherman in, in <laughs> chapter one where I've worked off the assumption that that weatherman smiled and smirked because he made the point about the shooting stars and it says that he smiled. And I've worked with the assumption that he was a wizard. Have you noticed that I feel like in both I have... these cases, we both agree on the answer, and you've operated on the individual assumption like for like I've, 20 years. I feel like I've seen maybe a deleted scene or something where she is yeah, actually opening I think there is. And she's like, she opens an egg, and then she, it's like, it's there's, no, there's no yolk in here. It's just, there's just a crumpled up piece of paper. I flatten it out, open the letter. And she does that like six times. Hmm. I guess I've worked with the assumption that because of magic... That there are twelve fully, f- just like crisp, yeah, in the envelope, like wax sealed shut, in a dozen eggs, yeah, which is reasonable. I think there. Yeah. I think 
by that point, you're so into the comical, like, look how many letters there are space that... Well, isn't finding them in a dozen eggs already kind of there? Yeah, Whether they're crumpled or not, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, by, by that point, right. you've already... Like, whatever. You, yeah. The point <laughs> is already... not for you to be able to read yeah. a letter at that point. It's like, yeah. hey... Like somebody's going to be like, yeah, yeah, but the letters, were they legible, though? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we would have signed them up, but... She wasn't worried no. about us three Americans, like, 20 <laughs> years later, going, okay, but were the letters even... Could you even read them? <laughs> but here we are. Um, uh, yeah, letters are everywhere. Uh, it's, you forgot the best line in that part of the movie. No mail on Sundays. Fine no post on Sundays. Right you are. <laughs> Sunday. Fine the, day Sunday. Charles, who'd be writing to you? <laughs> oh my gosh. The Dursleys were acted so well by the that actor and actress in Probably those some eight of the best movies. Casting in those so movies. good. Did I tell you all that, that I saw Dudley Dursley, that actor in a film not too long ago? Did you ever watch that? I did not watch it. Okay. Go watch it. It's um it's got the devil all the time. That's what it's called. This guy, the kid who plays... Well, he's not a grown man. He's older than us, I think. Um, Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård. I thought you were saying it was Tom Holland. I was like, Tom Holland did not play Dudley <laughs> Dursley. <laughs> um, I don't know that. So basically, the, 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 letters, <laughs> the letters keep coming exponentially. Uh, it says, Schmoop says, official... Uh, not official. Uh, our friends at Schmoop say, <laughs> The day after that, Sunday, Mr. Dursley is relieved because the mail isn't scheduled, but letters start flying into the house, coming through the chimney and fireplace... He freaks out and orders everyone to pack. They all rush to the car and drive around aimlessly for a whole day before stopping at some hotel outside a city. I always imagine this bit to Yakety Sacks. Yeah. When sure. I'm reading it. <laughs> like when it's just like, but it's like an overhead bird's eye view of the car and he's like getting out and walking up the top of a hill and I imagine it's sped up into Yakety Sacks. Yeah. Did you, um, I meant to say this actually, did you catch what it says that uh, or, uh, Vernon was listening to while he was walking around sealing up all the windows? Tiptoe through the tulips. Tiptoe through the tulips. Which is so perfect for this season. Um, The next morning... Oh, they all rush to the car and drive around aimlessly for a whole day before stopping at a hotel outside a city. Next morning, the hotel's owner tries to deliver a letter to Harry. Almost said a Harry to letter. But Mr. Dursley keeps him from getting it. Uh, He said... What did the the hotel guy before they got there... He says... Are you... He's like... I can't remember what he's like. I only received about a hundred of these before you got here. It's like... He like had a hundred at the desk. Well, it's not in the movie. It's in the book, I think. Oh. Yeah. 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 You heard me. Um, the next morning, the hotel's owner tries to deliver a letter. They go on the move again, without, seemingly without a direction or destination. Harry realizes that the next day will be his 11th birthday. Mr. Dursley directs them to an isolated shack surrounded by water, not to be mistaken with The Shack. Very different books. <laughs> I was going to confuse them. Thank you. <laughs> It's cold and miserable, and a storm rages around outside. Mr. Dursley is certain that they won't get any letters there. The Dursleys divide the available blankets and beds amongst the three of them. Harry's left to sleep on the floor, because obviously, with only a small coverlet, is what Schmoop says. It's a new word, adding that to my vocabulary. He can't fall Thanks, asleep. Schmoop. Thanks, Schmoop. Official partner of Slug Club Radio. He can't fall asleep and thinks about how his birthday is coming. At midnight, as it turns into Harry's birthday, there's a tremendously loud knocking. At the door. Chapter 3 brought to you by Who's our friends at Schmoop. <laughs> oh, it's right there. It's Secretariat. It's Secretariat. <laughs> yeah, it was right there. I couldn't get it. I couldn't pull it back. Do you not remember that? No. What was that from? It was just a YouTube video, isn't it? Craig Ferguson. That's right. Who's that at the door? 
Oh, do you not remember that, Evan? We oh. definitely quoted that around <laughs> you. Uh, okay, thoughts on chapter three? Anything interesting we need to talk about? It's mostly just them fleeing from letters and. So, <clears throat> I now I want to go back and watch a compilation. <laughs> Who's it at the door? Uh, do that later this evening. The um, for some reason, as we were getting into this, like as I was reading through this this time, I was thinking about how the Lord of the Rings books start with a birthday party for Bilbo. His 11th birthday. And it was his 111th birthday. And now here we are on Harry's 11th birthday. He's about to launch on some. That's nothing. I promise that's nothing. But I I, I just... Well, it might not be nothing because I think that it would also be... I think it might be a good idea. We're only three chapters in, but there are so many times J.K. Rowling very... Obviously, but like not in an annoying way, like borrows things from other... Stories like, or just kind of like, she borrows a lot of Greek mythology, a lot of Norse mythology, and a lot of stuff like that. I mean, Dumbledore is Gandalf, for sure. Sure. Yeah. Almost played by the same actor. Yeah. Ian McKellen, (laughs) if you ever need a tall, skinny, white fellow with a beard, just give Ian McKellen a call. Apparently he turned it down to do, I can't remember what it was. It may have been the X-Men trilogy, actually. Oh, Magneto. Um, Mm. But he turned it down, but he was definitely like, pegged to do it. Um. And I was trying to think. There's there's lots of other. She borrows a lot of like Christian symbolism and things like that, so maybe we should bring those up. But the eleventh, yeah, because it was what did they call it? His eleventeenth birthday? Is that what it was called? Eleventieth. Eleventieth. Well, in the movie, yeah. it says one hundred eleven. So, Hobbit talk, you know. You know, I've never read those books. Miss now, man. No. I don't know. I like. I was trying to think if. It's not turning into a teenager, so it's not quite, like, the turn from 12 to 13. I mean, I know in the Wizarding World, like, it's a big deal yeah. because he's turning the age that he can go to school. But I guess that is it. I mean, you go to middle school. I was going to say, for us Americans, it's the equivalent of, like, being the age that you go to sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, what's... But that is interesting. But what's so weird is, like, I don't... It's so funny. I guess that's what's part of it that, like, sets... The, the great trilogy a part of Harry, Ron, and Hermione is that they are just different. But it's like the things that they go through and deal with and they're trusted with, like I wouldn't trust any sixth grader <laughs> with even a, f- no. a minuscule fraction of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think yeah. of, I'm trying to think of anything else that is because most of the chap this chapter is really just them yeah. fleeing from letters. Yeah, when I was a kid and I was reading these it was always like a real chore to get through this part, and it mm. like you just mean like the Dursleys. Yeah, ever all the like pre Wizarding World stuff mm. is like like he's just a sad kid. What are we doing? Um, and if you don't know very well what's coming after that, it's like is this what this book is? Is it just a sad kid where weird things happen around him? Always aunt and uncle are mean to him. What if it was? What if it, the whole series? Was just like when Dobby casts a levitation charm on the pudding in book two. Uh-huh. He's expelled and his wand is snapped. And yeah. then the other five books, the other five and a half books are just like... How sad he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just six and a half books of... <clears throat> this summer, Harry worked by mowing the lawns on Privet <laughs> Drive. <laughs> and finished it by working at the ice cream shop. I love it. That would be miserable. Yeah. Still better than Chamber of Secrets. 
Will you? Hey oh, it's really not. I'm sorry. Ch- Chambers, Chambers. Not that bad. Um, you do get. This is probably the first chapter from like a writing perspective that you see J.K. Rowling kind of flexing her muscles and and she gets into a really good rhythm in this chapter. Just some really good kid stuff and like like when she's describing Dudley's gang, it's Piers, Dennis, Malcolm, and Gaunt. Gordon, say Gondon, or that. Uh, Gordon were all big and stupid, but as Dudley was the biggest and stupidest of the lot, he was the leader. Like stuff like that, just really, really good writing on her part. And this is the first chapter you really get to catch some of that. Just yeah, and I I noticed that too in this chapter when she was talking about the the cats, like Mrs. Fig. Yes, cat. Mrs. Fig wasn't as bad as usual. It turned out she'd broken her leg, leg tripping over one of her cats, and she didn't seem quite as fond of them as usual. So, like, a lot of, because movies have been made of it, and, like, that's more, like, visually memorable in a lot of ways, I had forgotten a lot of the, like, kind of witty quip things that, because it's sort of set up as being kind of from Harry's perspective also, you're sort of superimposing that personality onto Harry as well as you're reading it. Um. So I I just found that really cool as I was reading it that like there's all these like fun little witty things of like Harry is Harry's this funny guy because J.K. Rowling is describing this thing this way. Yeah, it makes you wonder. I mean, how much of like the descriptions of the Dursleys, like Petunia having a horsey face and a long neck, like how much of it is the narrator just describing things and how much of it is we're actually kind of getting inside Harry's head of yeah. like this is how he saw these things happening because yeah. it's not a first person but you get a lot of that in the first few books less of it as they go on yeah there's too much there's too much taking place later in the series yeah but in the early books it's really setting up like the way Harry sees the world that's yeah. really funny one thing I thought of when I was reading this chapter actually is when they're at the hotel and uh, Harry made a grab for the letter, but Uncle Vernon knocked the hand out of the way. The woman stared. I'll take them, said Uncle Vernon, standing up quickly and following her from the dining room. So if you walk up to a hotel room full of people, and there are three people who look very similar, and one person who clearly does not look like the rest, and has a lightning scar on his forehead, and he's reaching for a letter written to him, and this man, who you don't know if they're related, like slaps his hand away, what are you thinking is going on? It might be... I feel like maybe the British, just in general, are not, like, outwardly nosy, maybe? Yeah, my... I mean, yeah. when you're asking that question, my answer in my head is, that is not none of my, my business. business. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, if you're the... If you're the, if you're the, you know, matron of a hotel, you just want them to... And, like... I could see Vernon coming in and like dropping like money money on the counter that would exceed the amount of the cost of the room and just being like if the room is like a hundred quid for an evening, he comes in and drops in two hundred fifty dollars as like give me a key. You know, at that point he's like, Here the here's the key and also this letter came for you. At that point you just received like two hundred and fifty percent of what the hotel room costs, so it's just like Whatever. Fair. I mean, that's but not all in the this book. Also, it's still all... would build my suspicion that like this kid's been kidnapped. Like that is what is going on here right now. This oh. kid does not belong well, here. Well, they don't know that the letter is addressed to him. So it's it true. could be this kid is trying to steal this guy's mail. This is also true. <laughs> this kid is a petty thief. 
The woman staring, though, was like, I had never caught that before. Yeah. And it's clear she sees something that she's like, Well, I think weird, it's too, like, because... Uncomfortable. The Dursley's biggest fear... Yeah. ...is that someone would discover that they are housing something that's abnormal and that they are not as perfectly normal, thank you very much, as they would like their neighbors to believe. So I think those kind of, like, sly looks... All those kinds of things are maybe supposed to give you the idea that, like, this kind of facade that Vernon's trying so hard to uphold is kind of slowly slipping. Yeah. And there's only so many letters he can snatch out of Harry's hand. Yeah, for sure. That raises another one, actually. So, when the first letter comes, Harry is listening to the crack underneath the door because Dudley fought He and Dudley get kicked out. Yeah. yeah. And so Dudley gets the keyhole, key and then he gets the bottom of the door. Which, honestly... I would rather want the bottom of the door. There's more space. Yeah. So they're having a conversation, and um, Petunia's scared. How do they know where we sleep? You don't think they're watching the house? Vernon's like, they're watching, they're spying, they're following us. Um, Petunia suggests that they write back, and Vernon says, no, we'll ignore it. If they don't get an answer, yes, that's best. We won't do anything. Petunia starts to say, but... And Vernon says, I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear when we took him in, we'd stamp out that dangerous nonsense? What was the but? We'll go back to the context of the but. So. so, Show me that but again. (laughs) (laughs) Let me show you that but one more time. So, they're having that conversation. Petunia almost seems like she's about to say, she's already suggested they write back. And oh. he has said, we'll ignore it. If they don't get an answer, yes, that's best. She starts to say, but. Mm. And then he retorts with, Weird. I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Almost like she was about to suggest, like, what you. if we let him go? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Weird. I know. Well, the one that has the most experience with wizard, the wizarding world in that household is Petunia. Right. So maybe she, I mean, not even maybe, she definitely knows things about the wizarding world that Vernon, Dudley, and Harry don't. And so maybe she would have some knowledge of, like, I mean, she obviously has some knowledge of the school. Like, right. she was she at Platform 9 and 3 quarters. Well, that's another thing. She was at Platform 9 and 3 quarters yeah. at least seven times. Yeah. To drop Lily off. Um, so it's like, I wonder if it's like, listen, Vernon, you're out of your depth here. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah. I've never really noticed that. I hadn't either. But also maybe it's like a... Maybe it's like a but... Maybe she's thinking like right back to them and saying, listen, he's not coming. Yeah. You know, and he's like, no, we just won't answer. And maybe that but is like, uh, they're going to find out anyway. Like, they're going to find us wherever because she's like, I know Agreed. what they're like. And haven't you? didn't you see the eggs yesterday morning that were perfectly... Yeah. Perfectly creased pieces of paper in those eggs. <laughs> um, oh my God. Um, Freaking eggs. <laughs> but anyway, then they go out to the, yeah. a shack. They get out he to just, a shack. He finds the shack from that book. Yep. Uh, and they row out there, which honestly, I'd love to just see Vernon on the verge of passing out, rowing him, his, his large filled son. <laughs> Do you remember the part where Dudley sat on a rifle and bent it so much that it broke? <laughs> like, if you need a picture of how big this boy is, <laughs> he bent a rifle. Big old boy. Uh, he's corn-fed, big old British boy. Oh, he's gosh. Eating, he's eating 
what's what snacks they like? Turkish delight. <laughs> Crumpets left and right. Biscuits. Um, yeah, so they end up at the shack. Harry's going to sleep. He's counting down to his Viola birthday. Davis is there. <laughs> I can't. And Mexican Jesus is there. Uh, can we agree the description of Viola Davis's character in that book, which is Aunt Jemima? She, that's what it is. She's making breakfast. She has a bandana on. The She's shack, Aunt Jemima. ladies and gentlemen. In case you're wondering, is another wonderful work of fiction. Um, it's a work of fiction. It's certainly a work of fiction. <laughs> Um, I'm not even going to dive into it because it, that would take yeah. us so far to left field. So uh, in a shack, Harry's counting down to his birthday, his 11th birthday, and there's a loud boom right at the time that the time changes over. And scene. Welcome back to episode three of Slug Club. We're about to discuss chapter four. At the end of chapter three, a large figure shows up at the door and was knocking. Chapter four, we find out who that is, and it is none other than... Hagrid! 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 Can we do that from now on whenever (laughs) Hagrid shows up? Hagrid! Sure. So the knocking wakes everybody up. Mr. Dursley, somewhere he's got a weapon. He aims a gun at the door and yells. Just, Will, what does his yelling sound like? Hagrid! I was I was just hoping you'd do just kind of a, a random yell, but that works really well too. Yeah, <laughs> the door smashed in by a giant man. Also, real quick, I want to I want to give credit what? to JK Rowling. Yeah. She always describes Hagrid, especially early on, as looking too big to be allowed. Which I find <laughs> wonderful. It, she describes him as a man who looks too big to be allowed. It's great because if she was like He's nine feet tall. Right, Some people right. be like, well, that's not that tall. It's like they're basketball <laughs> players that are like closest right. to that. So whatever you think is too tall, that's what he is. Like if, yeah, I guess I always struggle because I'm, I'm tied to what he looks like in the movies. Which and, is great. Which is, he's big because Sir Robbie Coltrane, the actor, is already like, I think, six foot nine. And then they put him on stilts. Yikes. So he was like something like seven foot eight or something like that. Robbie Coltrane, I don't know if he's six foot nine, but he's tall. Um, and he's also just large. Um, but every time that she described him, it was uh, too big to be allowed. You mean all the times that Hagrid had to stand up in the movies from a seated position? That man was having to stand up on stilts? Yeah. Ooh. They also probably later on used a lot of forced perspective, yeah. too. Um you know, and that is like if they want to make something look smaller, they have it closer to the camera, and he's a little bit further back. I'm not. I'm explaining for just anybody who doesn't know. Not like one of the rings. Yeah, did it. Up, yeah, up like top. so they had Gandalf further, closer, closer to the screen to make him look bigger, and then they would put like Elijah Wood, right? Yeah. And Sean Astin, who played Samwise, a little further. So they're woken up by this knocking. Mister Dursley aims a gun. The door is smashed in by a giant man who looks too big to be allowed. He stomps in, what's great, he stomps in, asks for a cup of tea, and tells Dudley to scoot over. <laughs> um, then he says hello to Harry and tells him he looks like his parents. He does not ask him to scoot over. He says, budge, budge up, up, you great, great lump. lump. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that side. Schmoop is just trying, our friends at Schmoop are just trying to be a little more courteous, but he says, budge up, you great lump, which is... I'm using that from now on. Yeah, um... He says hello to Harry and tells him he looks like his parents. So if you're Harry and you're this tiny child, 
who's lived with slightly abusive aunts and uncles uh, and and a cousin for uh, now 11 years of your life. And the largest thing you've ever seen comes in the front door, demands a <laughs> cup of tea, tells your cousin to, quote, budge up, you great lump, and then just says, hey, how's it going? You look like your parents. <laughs> you're well, you're immediately confused. Last time I saw you, you was only a baby. Like, I have many questions <laughs> yeah. about the last time you saw me. Why were you near me? <laughs> uh, Mr. Dursley tells him to leave. The giant just tells him... The giant tells him to zip it and breaks Dursley's gun. <laughs> then he wishes Harry a happy birthday and even gives him cake. Gave him a cake. What is, what is the line he says... He says something about the cake. He's like, he says, "Got something for you. Got some. Yeah. Got some for you. Yeah. Set on at some point, but it'll taste all right." Yeah. So he he pulls out a cake. Um. He says that he's, his name is. Yagrid. <laughs> he's the groundskeeper at Hogwarts. Uh, he he manages to light a real fire in the fireplace. And then produces... <laughs> with his umbrella. With his umbrella. Produces yeah. all the elements for a solid meal out of his pockets. So he's pulled out a full-on cake that I imagine would feed eight people. Sure. At least one slice. He's pulled, I think, a, it says like a poker. Copper kettle. Yep. A squashy package of sausages. <laughs> a poker. A teapot. Several squashy. chipped mugs. And a bottle of some amber liquid that he took a swig from. Before starting to make tea. Haggard was drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. he's always a little... He's always just a little sauce just to get <laughs> through the day. Um, Harry eats sausages and asks Haggard more about who he is. Haggard says he should know about Hogwarts. When Harry says that he doesn't, Haggard is shocked and amazed. I think... <clears throat> Harry eating the sausages. The Dursleys and Harry have not eaten in a couple of days, I think. Because they've been... I think it was something like they had crackers. There was something in the previous... Yeah. They, they, the most... They, they hadn't eaten a substantial meal for certain, for certain. Yeah. Like, they've been driving around and, like, trying to confuse the owls or whatever. And that wasn't working, obviously. But Harry's starving and this stranger shows up with... Full-on kielbasas. <laughs> also, children that listen to this podcast... If a large man approaches you with a birthday cake and a pocket full of sausages, <laughs> do not accept anything that he has Check his umbrella. To. Check his... And just check all of his pockets. <laughs> um, <laughs> Evan is so... Evan is so embarrassed. <laughs> so anyway, uh, to your point though, doesn't it say something... Evan, I'll give you something to do so you don't have to laugh. Doesn't, doesn't it say something like Dudley... If a stranger approaches you, don't check all his pockets, kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> Just on his coat. If, if he asks you to check his pockets, also don't check his pockets. But if he's selling watches, like make sure. No. <laughs> anyway, tell me, didn't it say something like Dudley was like eyeing the sausages? Yeah, uh, Dudley fidgeted a little when he brings out the sausage. Uncle Vernon said sharply, "Don't touch anything." He gives you right. Dudley. The giant chuckled darkly. Your great pudding of a son don't need no fattening anymore, Dursley. I love, don't worry. I love the indiscriminate way with which British people use the word pudding. Because they'll use it for just about anything. I was watching um I was watching something some bit of British Oh it was Haunting a Blind Manor. Mm. Um and they described just dessert like the time of the meal that dessert comes, like we would in America just say, oh, it's time for dessert. Yeah. That could be cake. 
that could be ice cream, that could be pie, but they just described it as pudding. But then they ate something other than pudding. But I've also heard them describe pudding as like a what we would call like a trifle. Yeah. I guess not the one from Friends though, where it had like meat in it. Um, but like trifle, like, you know, it's a layer of whip, cool whip and a layer of strawberries, a layer of like shortcake. Yeah. And then they've also described pudding like figgy pudding. Yeah. Like Yorkshire pudding. If that is anything. What is Yorkshire pudding? It's like, um, it's like a corn muffin with a, with like a, with like tomatoes on it. And then like. Like a little smoky sausage sticking out the top. It's like chili, okay. but all in So it's, it's like a, it's like a, okay. So it's, for Americans, a piece of cornbread, or yeah. like from Cracker Barrel. I'm, I'm sure if any British people are listening, I'm butchering what a, what a Yorkshire pudding is. But I, I mean, it Basically is. it's a piece of cornbread with a beanie weenie in it. <laughs> yeah. Are you looking up Yorkshire yeah. pudding? Yeah, it's just see. That's what I'm saying. They they're calling it pudding. There's nothing There's pudding nothing, about it. Even even if pudding is generic for dessert, no. It's got Yorkshire pudding what, is not. What nothing. desserts have you ever had that also had beanie weenies in it? <laughs> Sausages in them. Yeah. Or um, tomatoes. But also they'll they'll describe <clears throat> just a chocolate cake as pudding. Yeah. So, listen, British people, <clears throat> figure it out. <laughs> Get your stuff together. With the pudding nonsense. I feel like I need to... Pudding pops. I feel like I need to do a Bill Cosby impersonation here. Um, Jello pudding pops. Uh, you got to figure it out with the pudding. Uh, because... And also Hagrid is described... Um, Dudley as pudding. But also like... I've I've heard significant others call each other pudding. So like you, you figure it out. Bless you. Okay. Uh, Harry eats, asks Hagrid more about who he is. He yells at the Dursleys. Uh, Hagrid's mad at the Dursleys because it it comes to light that Harry has thought for 11 years that his parents died in a car crash. Car crash? <laughs> Ain't no car crash could have killed James and Lily Parr. It's, it's, it's an outrage. Okay, I'm looking at Yorkshire puddings oh, now. I've had these before. <clears throat> what, would we, what would be the equivalent... Like, like sort of a sort of a dinner roll, I guess. So a dinner but roll filled with, but things. it's kind of eggy also. Yeah, it's egg. And it almost looks like a popover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Yorkshire puddings. I'm fine with Yorkshire puddings, but just call it a Yorkshire something else. Beanie weenie bread. Don't call it pudding. It's not pudding. Um, yeah, Hagrid is mad because he finds out that the Dursleys have told Harry this whole time that his parents died in a car crash. Um, and he's frustrated by that. Oh no, I've lost Smoop again. Hagrid finds out that Harry doesn't know anything about his parents. He gets even angry with the Dursleys, who are very frightened, obviously. Hagrid reveals to Harry that his parents inhabited a separate world where they too were famous and that Harry is famous too. Mr. Dursley tries to keep Hagrid from saying any, anything more but of course it doesn't work. Hagrid is left even angrier when he finds out that the Dursleys never gave Harry the letter that Dumbledore left with him. So my question is, the letter that was left with him, are there two separate letters, one for the Dursleys and one for Harry, or do we think that it was just a... That makes me think the letter was intended for, for Harry. At least for everybody. Yeah. <clears throat> like, Harry was supposed to get it. I've always... It's so funny, because, like, you leave... You think after reading all the books, it's like, sitting here now, it's like, 
I would love to see seen what's on that letter, but like it's no. not gonna really add anything to the story that we don't already know. It's right. probably just like, hey, don't lock him in this cupboard <laughs> under the stairs, and let him have some pudding every once in a while. But long sailed if Dumbledore wanted to say that. Yeah, <laughs> eleven years ago. So, he tells Harry that he's a wizard. So let's just backtrack for a minute. You're led on a trip across the countryside by your manic uncle who briefly assaults you in front of a hotel matron. Sure. Feeds you nothing but stale crackers for a few days. Jams the tiptoe through the tulips. Yes. Dances the tiptoe through the tulips as he boards up his entire house like the zombie apocalypse is upon us. Um, rows you feverishly across a windy ocean to a shack on an island. Then... A knock comes inexplicably out of the middle of nowhere. A large man who looks too big to be allowed comes in, pulls out a full-on cake, sausage, uh, poker, an umbrella, a copper kettle, and then tells you that you're a wizard and you're an 11 supposed to make some kind of logical and calm conclusion about all of that information. How do we fare (laughs) with all of that? I mean, do you like? Do you go with Hagrid? Yeah, I'm in. Well, right. Well, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Don't care. Do you go with Hagrid the next day when you're eleven days or eleven years and one day old? Yes. I think the conversation that they have about Harry's parents is important to that. Yeah. Because yep. he's giving Hagrid is giving Harry information that he's never had before that he's wanted for a long time. And the Dursleys yeah. have lied to him. About and the Dursleys are not like, oh, Harry, that's not true. Don't listen to him. They're like, oh no, don't tell him. So, right. like, yeah. it's clear that that Hagrid is the one that's got, that has, what Hagrid is saying is true, and what the Dursleys have been telling him is not. Um, so, I'm sure he doesn't love his life with the Dursleys, he's looking for an opportunity to get out of there. Also at this point, letters, hundreds and hundreds of letters have come to you in various yeah. forms and containers. I mean, at that point, like, I'm sure he's also kind of primed to be like, yeah, this is kind of, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think, too, if you're Harry, you're, you're, like Will said, you're, you're looking for an explanation as to why you are where you are, and it's like, two, I'd be kind of like Matt, like, if my parents died in a car crash, and I'm with my aunt and uncle, you know, if you, assuming that Harry knows that Wills exist, like... He would have had to have thought that, like, oh, my parents left me with these people. Like, why would my parents do that to me? Because, like, I guess it was in their will that I have to go to Aunt Petunia. Mm -hmm. So he's probably, like, mad at them for doing that. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of mixed emotions. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, you can't really look at it as, like, oh, wow, this big weird guy came in and pulled sausages out of his pocket. and So I guess (laughs) I'm going with him now. But um, Plus, you've been told your entire life by the people you're living with that they are normal and they are good and you're the freak and you're unique and you're not good. Yeah. And somebody shows up and tells you that's not true at all. The outside world thinks you're famous. They love you. You're incredible. You're a wizard. Like, yeah, you're going to buy into that. I mean... But I am the chosen one. <laughs> but I am the chosen one. Um, uh, like that, you know that goes a long way for like, especially an 11 year old to find that out. So I guess it goes back to the question like, because he handles it fairly well, and he goes with Hagrid and learns over the next few days, as we'll discuss, 
uh, eventually in the next few chapters, learns more about the Wizarding World, but like, it goes back to a question I may have asked in one of the first two episodes, like, um, if he had been with like a Wizarding family and known he was famous, I wonder how he would have been different as like, mm-hmm. a person, like just as a person or a wizard or whatever. Um, like it was the choice to leave him with the Dursleys beneficial to Harry as a human being to find this out at 11 as opposed to like living your life knowing you're special you know you can make you can draw comparisons to like and I'm not I don't want to get on a soapbox but like you know people complain all the time about kids these days like everybody gets a participation trophy and it's all like you know it's not the exact same but it's like everybody's always told they're special and can do everything they want and it's just not like that Mm-hmm. And so maybe Harry benefits from being neglected, and at least in the long run, I'm sure he would have chosen to not go through it. Like, well, if he was raised to think, "I'm the chosen one. I'm special. I'm unique," he may have, not to say he would have like joined a league with Voldemort, but like that's Voldemort's thinking too: is yeah. I'm unique, I'm special, and anybody who sides with me is too. Like he may have not had a heart for the outsider, the misfit, the downtrodden yeah. that he and ends up having. The question I ask is rhetorical, obviously, but like, two, there's a lot of crucial decisions that he makes in crucial moments that if he were raised and if he lived his adolescence in thinking that he was special, he would have made the wrong choice right. or he would have not have, he would not have been humble um, in like, those moments. Even as simple as when he gets to Hogwarts and he has to choose between Draco and Ron. If he's raised thinking he's special, Draco's, like, soothing to his ego, like, builds it up. And he probably ends up in Slytherin. Right, exactly. And, too, like, because I know we talked a little bit about it, like, I think it was the first episode, um, that, or maybe it was the second one, it was, like, we talked about, like, we listed off a bunch of, like, wizarding families he could have lived with, and he, like, if he was with the Weasleys, they wouldn't have raised him to think he was something special because right. none of the Weasleys think that of themselves except for Percy. Right. Um, but, oh, crap, where was I going with this point? Crap. Raised with other wizarding families. Yeah, Weasleys. so it was like we would have been like, man, it would have been better for him, but it's like, and maybe, too, you would think, like, this is, I think, Will, you made the point, is like we always have to go back to the Dursleys at the beginning of the book and there's the bit about the magic and he's protected. Yeah. But, like, ultimately, it's like that part's kind of boring. Yeah. But I think, like, well, I, that's just what you said. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think it's it's one of those things that's not, like, a simple, like, throwaway, like, oh, we got to remember that the Dursleys are mean. I think it's important, maybe in a sense that it continues to reinforce that Harry is a, is a strong character with strong moral fiber that came out of this kind of, yeah. for the better, and this was kind of the, the cocktail that he was brewed in. And, and mm-hmm. he appreciates the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of the environment there's so many. Yeah, there's so many examples and instances that are drawn between him and Voldemort, because Hogwarts is the only place. Both it said both yeah. of them. It felt like it was their true home, outside of, you know, they didn't feel at home, outside of being there. So it's like I don't think. Even though I wish like he hadn't gone through all that stuff, and even like you said, like going back to the Dursleys for the first four chapters of every book is kind of annoying. To a certain extent. Yeah. But it, the, like it grounds Harry. Yeah. In the story. One of the really unique things about both Harry and Voldemort that Will you saying that just remind me of is that they both 
come from outside perspectives, not knowing that they're wizards. They come in, so they're not... They don't come in with any of the prejudices or any of the ideas of the wizarding world that other people have. They have totally different views on everything. But they also both come from families that are prominent and give them, like, the ability to have a voice in yeah. some way. So not only do they have a different perspective, but they also have the influence to be able to use that perspective. One does it well, one does it poorly. Yeah. But I think that's a unique thing that, like, plays for both of them when they get in there. In a simple way, I always find it funny, like, when Hermione and Harry have to explain things to Ron, like the telephone, or, like, what dentists are. Yeah. Um, he just yells into the telephone yeah. every time. Uh, Harry! <laughs> I just like those moments, and it's like you don't get that if Harry's raised, you yeah. know. He he is probably Slytherin, and he's hanging out with Draco Malfoy, so it is important. Pansy um, Parkinson falls in love with him instead. Man. Oh, gross. <laughs> what what did it say? She looked like a pug. She had a, she had a pug-like face. Oh um, but in the movies, like, it was like, oh, Pansy's kind of cute. But, like, in the book, it was like she had a smushed face. Um, smooth face. She had a smooth face. Smooth <laughs> uh, Friends of Slug Club Radio. Um, but I think Hagrid is just like... Is Hagrid in your top five characters of, of the Harry Potter books? Oh, gosh, probably. probably. Evan? No. No. Do you know why? Like, For do you sure know why? Uh, I mean, it's too big, too big to be allowed. It's too big to be allowed in the top five. Spots. <laughs> no, he. We talked about this before. He seems to be a really important character when you start, but he kind of gets relegated to like the buddy comedy character throughout most of the books. Yeah. So he's not like as impactful as a character. It's just funny that though that like J.K. would choose him to do the ma- majority. I'm trying to think throughout all seven books. The majority were a large part of like the important exposition and ex- explanation to mm-hmm. Harry and the others about like the larger wizarding world and the conflicts that they're kind of secretly having to face. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because it's like Hagrid's the one that picks him up from um, Godric's Hollow. Hagrid's the one that goes and finds him at the shack and rescues him out of... So it's like, he rescued him out of potential death. He rescued him out of 11 years of torture. You know. Um, I just love Hagrid. There's not many characters in here that... Because there's a lot of characters that like do some like annoying stuff. Like Hermione, I think Will... Well, you both are like... Book Hermione can get really annoying. Um, every character has this... That, like, you. who is it that hates... You hate Order of the Phoenix, Harry, Will... Um, and you love Order of the Phoenix, Harry. Well, you like Order of the Phoenix in general, Evan. Um, so like every character, but it's like Hagrid never does anything that annoys me. He's just like, I don't know, he's just great. All the way through. Agreed, but I mean, I think that shows you he's kind of a sideline character then. I think he's, I think he's the easiest character to root for. Yeah. In the books. Because his motives are so pure all the time. Yes. He's like a large dog. Yeah. I like Hagrid. I like Hagrid. No, no, I'm He's not. not I'm not trying to insist that you right. don't. I hate him. I hate it. Lucius Malfoy is actually my favorite character. Gosh, that's another thing I'm sure we'll talk about a lot is the casting and the way they did it in the movies. Is there's not really many misses at all. No. No. What else from this chapter? Because Hagrid then goes on to, like again, I said, exposit. You know how James and Lily die. He's interrupted several times by Vernon. Um, we're not sending him 
so some crackpot old fool can teach him magic tricks. Right. And then Hagrid says, you shall never insult Albus Dumbledore in front of me. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about Hagrid's wand. At okay. Least a little bit since okay. Will's mom specifically. Okay, yeah. Brought this up yeah. to us. So I let's we'll we'll finish on this. Will's wonderful mother Kay uh, apparently sent like a group message to the three of us, and I didn't notice it until a couple days ago. But it's a couple weeks old. Uh, but she she's also an avid fan and an avid listener of Slug Club Radio. So Kay, I know you're gonna listen to this. I love you. We miss you. I miss you. I hope to see you earlier than New Year's Day because I see you every New Year's Day. Um, but I'll come and hang over with McGill or McGee or whatever his name is. Um, but she posed the question. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact phrasing of the question. I can look it up. But Evan, kind of, what was the point? I'll look up the we, exact question. Well, we won't spoil too much. Suffice to say that Hagrid, like he says in this, lost his wand. He does not have his wand. It was taken away from him. Because you don't find out why until the second book. Sure. But Will's mom was wondering... After Her question was, after Hagrid is exonerated for the thing that he was accused for, why doesn't he get his wand back? So, I guess the statute of the law is that if you're expelled from Hogwarts, your wand is snapped. Yeah. Um, because in, I guess, Order of the Phoenix, I think is when they threaten to snap Harry's wand. Mm-hmm. When he cast the Patronus charm against the Dementor in Little Whinging to save he, himself and Dudley, um, somebody says, like, you know, you'll be arrested, you'll be brought before trial, and your wand will be snapped into... I can't remember who did that, who said that to him. Um, but... So the assumption is that this also happened to Hagrid... And I think there's even somewhere, it might be in this book, or it's later. Yeah, it's later. It's probably in Chamber, to be honest. It's probably in Chamber when they find out why he was expelled. Um, so is do we think that there's a reason to Kay's question why? Because I guess we're working, spoiler alert, on an assumption that the pink umbrella that he carries, it obviously has magical powers. Mm-hmm. But I think later on in one of the books, Harry says that he's he's suspicious that it contains bits of the broken wand. Yeah. Right. So, but after he's exonerated for the thing, the thing that he was accused of was a very big thing. But after he's exonerated, why not? My give him a new wand. I feel like the, yeah. What I the way I read that as a kid and just sort of never questioned it was that it was sort of like a learner's permit driver's license kind of situation where mm. like like you have to go to Hogwarts to understand how to do this and that's why you're not allowed to use magic outside of school mm. um, they don't have an adult learning program right and they just like once they should once Hagrid has well, missed out once Hagrid has missed out on the training it's over why couldn't you get some of the pamphlets that uh, Argus Filch had uh, but those are for squibs though true maybe a rant. I wonder if some of it, and this was kind of introduced later in the books, so take that for what it is, but a lot of people don't think that giants should be included in the wizarding world. Even half giants yeah. shouldn't be trained. So I wonder if some of it, that played into It's probably it. just to stay on the safe side, err on the right. side of caution. But also, I think it's in book seven, and again, this isn't really a spoiler, but they're talking to Garrick Ollivander, who's made the maker of the wands. Um... And he says something like, 
basically magic can because you can do nonverbal spells and you can I mean Dumbledore can do magic without his wand. Harry did magic. Harry does magic without his wand. He he vanished glass. He vanished glass, but he also like um, in 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 Order of the Phoenix he drops his wand, but he he calls it back to himself when he's being choked by the Dementor. Mm. Um, he blows his Aunt March up. Yes, there's lots of things you can do without your wand. Um, but it says Ollivander says something along the lines of that you kind of need the wand is the wand does not contain magical power it is just channeling it yeah so it could just it could just be an example that Hagrid carries this umbrella around with him all the time and it just that's how he channels it through and I think we talked about I talked about in the group chat with these two and and Will's mother that like any magic that Hagrid's really doing is kind of rudimentary stuff anyway because when he was expelled you know he was he, he's not like doing any dark magic because he's the groundskeeper he's he's enlarging he's enlarging pumpkins to make halloween better he's yeah. levitating trees into he's the great hall fire, yeah which is all like first year stuff yeah so there's nothing that he needs like cuz even when he has like a dragon later on like He's not doing any kind of fancy work to try to take care of it. He's, like, feeding it a bunch of, what is it, chicken's blood and yeah. brandy and all this kind of stuff. So, um, it's like it's like a weird mix of stuff. Uh, what is it? Uh, Madame Maxime's horses only drink single malt whiskey. Isn't yeah, that what yes. it is? <laughs> um, yes. So, I guess, you know, at that point, it's probably a mix of, like Evan said, like... And again... This is all just conjecture and hypothetical questions. It's not anything that's pertinent to the, the outcome of the greater story. Um, but it's fun to discuss, nonetheless. Um, it could just be a mixture of what Evan says, like, they just don't want to risk giving another wand to a half-giant who flunked out. Not flunked out, but was expelled from Hogwarts. And he wasn't exonerated until... Later, so it's not like he can just like start doing. He, yeah, he's in. He's in like his fifties. Yeah, he's yeah. Well, yeah. he's older than that because he was in school the same time as Voldemort, and when Voldemort attacks, he's oh, like seventy right. something. That's right. That's right. So Hagrid's like in his late sixties at the youngest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which that's another thing I would love to talk about. You have your thing with the economics. I have my thing with just the passage age. of time. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> like when you and again we have to. I just spoiled it, but when you imagine Voldemort who's attacking the school, like, what is the oldest you think he is at the Battle of Hogwarts? Like, in my head? or like, Yeah, 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 in your head. He's, I mean, in my head, he's like... like at the oldest, he's like 45. 50s. Yeah. At the oldest, he's like 48. Yeah. And he really, he's like 76. Yeah. So it's like if my, my grandfather, who just had, like, double hip surgery, <laughs> and he's 73, and he's, he's hobbling around, but, like, Voldemort's out there, like, doing spinny flips and kicks and things like that. And giving Draco Malfoy awkward <laughs> hugs. Oh, that is the worst. You know that was you know that was ad libbed, right? Why did he do it? That's it wasn't good. Oh no. <laughs> People don't look at that and be like, oh what a great layer of the character. No. Anyway, takeaways from chapters three and four. I think it's you can take something away that we didn't do. Do you wanna assign four. Yeah, we did. That was chapter that four. Was chapter four. Hagrid showing up Hagrid, Hagrid ex, ex, Where am I? What are we doing? <laughs> Hagrid right expositing now? all that as chapter four. Oh my gosh. Um, when he says budge up, you great lump, that's yeah, chapter four. That's right at the beginning yeah. of chapter four. Ex, you assign assign points? points. Yes, so from last week, from last episode, I think we were at Daedalus Diggle has 15 points for his fireworks. 
Deadass. J.K. Rowling uh, lost five points. Yeah, she broke even, I think. And she lost. She lost five points for uh, describing people's necks in such great detail, and then she gained five points for something that I liked. That something she did. that Evan yeah. liked. Uh, so she broke even, but Deadless Diggles in a strong lead with five points. So I imagine since you asked, you have points you would like to award. Yeah, I'm gonna give. Ten points to Hag- to Hagrid just for budge up your great lawn. Okay. Sorry, to who? Oh, H- Hagrid. <laughs> budge up your great lump is a good is is deserving of ten points. Evan, do you have any points to award or remove? You guys aren't gonna like this, but I want to give. I'll, I'll keep it simple. We'll give two two points. Uh, that's not simpler. No, I need I need points. I need fives or zeros at I the end of these points. I want to give five points to Vernon Dursley. For the greatest, most systematic, well-planned midlife freakout that has ever happened. Yeah. At least he, he didn't did go like buy. He didn't go buy a motorcycle. No, he just yeah. moved his family to a shack on an island. Shake him off. Shake him off. U-turn. Did he say that? Yeah. 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 He's got great taste in music in this chapter, and I think yeah, he's he's a standout in this one. I'm trying to think because I have a couple, but I think I'm. I think I'm also going to award five points to Hagrid, because Hagrid could do yeah, a, Hagrid. Hagrid could do a lot of things. It's it's very difficult in the Wizarding world, especially when you haven't seen someone in eleven years, to remember when their birthday is. Mm-hmm. He not only remembers when Harry's birthday is, but he goes to the trouble of making a cake, and bringing it, ostensibly across the country, at least across the United Kingdom. Through water. Over water. Um, and I imagine he didn't swim there. He very well could. Yeah, no. Um, through wasn't the right. Not a, not a very buoyant swimmer, I imagine. Um, That's a good point. But, he, but his first thing was to come in and amidst all this, the first thing he says to Harry is, happy birthday, I made you a cake. And I just think that's sweet. And so I'm giving Hagrid five points. Because if I want somebody to come rescue me on my birthday and I've been tortured by family, the first thing I want to stomach all that, that news with is some chocolate keg. That's fair. And Hagrid's just killing it. And he remembers birthdays. Take some notes, husbands that can't remember your anniversary. Be more like Hagrid. Mm. Anything else? Love it. Casey, do you want to award any points? What's going on Instagram over there? There's uh, dogs dressed as ghosts over here. I love that. By the way, new trend this year... If you have a cute dog, dress it up as a ghost and take pictures and sh- show them to us because I, I love that trend. So also, in case anybody's wondering, speaking of dogs, you can find a dog statue of your dog made out of your own dog's hair online. Chicken on Etsy. Yeah, we'll post that in the show notes afterwards. As always, thanks, Schmoop. Schmoop, official, unofficial friends of the show. Um, yeah, Taylor, if, again, somehow you find this I promise I'm. Uh, we're we're trying our best not to break any any legal rules that you have about advertisements. Um, but Schmoop, thank you again to our friends at Schmoop for being our friends of our, our summarization friends of the podcast. Evan, will you uh, will you sing us out, please? Only if you do the harmonies. <laughs> Just, I'll trust you with it. Do 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 do. Do 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 do